We always have a blast chatting with our guests about all sorts of different topics, but sometimes we go off the rails and dig deeper into their automotive and motorsports pasts. As a bonus, let's go behind the scenes with this pit stop minisode for some extra content that didn't quite fit in the main episode. Sit back, enjoy, and remember to like, subscribe, and support BrakeFix on Patreon. All right, so as Eric said, this is the fun portion of the interview. Um, I want to hear more about your Taurus. It was a Taurus club? Four Taurus, right? Yeah, that's right. Was so, it an SHO? No, no, I was it. No, no, no. We gotta go. We gotta step back from that. Was this the RoboCop Taurus? Was it the RoboCop Taurus, or was this the uh, what do they call that? The bathroom, the vanity window Taurus, right? So I started with the Turtle Taurus. So, like the Gen, we call the the Taurus nerds call them the Gen Three. So it was the '96 to '99s, and yes, I still remember that. So that's when the the, they had the Contour at the same time, right? The same car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Contour is a different car. It's a smaller car. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was a European platform that was brought over. The Ford uh, Mondeo, right? Yes. Ah. Yeah. So, yeah, I had the the Turtle Taurus. So the the weird rounded bubbly ones was my first one, and then that's when I started getting involved with the club, and I you know learned about it, and then I had to upgrade to a Gen Four, which was a 2001. That was the one I took on the road course the first time, but you know, of course, um, I found out that the older SHO brakes from the mid nineties could get rid of my, uh, rear drums on that car. So we converted it to, um, rear discs and, you know, put some, uh, performance friction brakes on, I think it was at the time and, and went for it. It was a, it was an auto tragic, right? So, I mean, how fun was that on track? <laughs> it was pretty fun. Cause it was, I was young and dumb enough to just throw it into all the corners and everything. There is a funny story about that too, because there was a guy in front of me on Gingerman, I think it was around, must've been around turn seven. And I saw him go around that turn without hitting the brakes. And I thought, oh, well, I guess I can do that. Uh -huh. well, I didn't realize how much faster than him I was going. And that was my very first uh, agricultural experience going off track. <laughs> Something I'm very familiar with. <laughs> so there's always there's always that one guy in the club, right? That's like everybody oohs and ahs and lusts over the car that he has. So in the Taurus club, who was that guy? Was that you? It wasn't me. Um, that was a guy named Kurt Mitros and he had this supercharged Gen 1 SHO that had a cage in it, but with the full interior. And it was a gorgeous car and I wish I would have tried to buy it, but I rode with him in that thing and that, that was a blast. So have there been guys that have converted the Taurus to ma manual? Cause they were all, they were all automatics, right? Uh, the SHOs were man, well, had a manual option. So the first gen, the 89 to 95s had a manual option. They were, well, sorry, the first gen was only manual. The second gen had an automatic option, um, but the third gens and the, well, some people call them the fourth, it was the fourth gen SHO, but the sixth gen Taurus, the newer EcoBoost all-wheel drive, those were all just paddle shift automatic. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're clearly a Blue Oval fan. I mean, that, that was your first track car. And then the, you know, the 94 Mustang now. Do you have a tow vehicle? Like, what, what do you, I'm assuming you've got an F-150 as well? I have an F-150 and an F-350. 
Ah, so straight <laughs> blue oval. <laughs> yeah, you can thank my uncle for that. He, he works for Ford, and so I get his uh, there you go and stuff. So okay, so if you had a million dollars, you could buy any car you wanted. I guess let's say that wasn't a blue oval. What would you buy? I mean, it could, be, it could be a blue oval. It could be a blue oval. I mean, it could. I mean, I might end up with like a hundred thousand crown Vicks or something. <laughs> <laughs> all, all of them uh, with cherries and berries on them, right? Of course. <laughs> with the spotlights out the windows. Oh yeah. There's an LED upgrade for the spotlights, by the way. I have it. Nice, nice. I want the Cylon like Night Rider thing. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so okay let's let's back that up so the million dollar man if you had a million dollars to spend what would you buy other than a hundred thousand crown vicks does it have to be one car no go you got a million bucks to spend how are you gonna this spend is your million dollars i have i've always been a sucker for the ford gt i mean it sounds cliche to, to that but um i i did have the opportunity to experience one of those around the indy road course and um, I, I need to do that again. <laughs> Was it the new one, the EcoBoost, or the 5.4 Supercharged? The newer EcoBoost. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous car. Gorgeous car. Yeah, it's pretty nice looking. Is the Ford GT your favorite car, or do you have, like, another car that really jumps out at you? Um, it's the Taurus. <laughs> so here's the problem is it's, like, it's either – high-end spectrum of like a Ford GT or it's a Crown Vic. Like that's, <laughs> like that's kind of how it works. But, uh, you know, from the fun factor perspective, I just can't let the Crown Vic go. I mean, it's for the money, I could have, you know, a dozen of them or at least. And just, You could field your own racing series with cars that you own. Man. You know, I am a sucker for Rallycross. It's been a while since I did one, but I had a Rally Crown Vic. <laughs> um, it was in my backyard for a while i had a welded rear diff and uh i did some rally cross with that and that that was a riot i had i was the only person that showed up it was literally my grandma's old car and uh so i show up to a rally cross full of subarus and miatas and whatever with this thing and you know they're all getting the crap beat out of them and all the ruts and i'm just running right over them at full speed and can't even feel it sitting on my plush couch in there and yeah, marshmallow suspension yeah <laughs> oh my goodness that's awesome so that's awesome. speaking about ford you know what do you think of the uh the ford mach e and i guess the ev revolution in general well first of all that's not a mustang no notice we didn't call it a mustang <laughs> I, would, I would never so using the mustang badge on that call me a purist but i i think that's a, a party foul but you know, the electric revolution in general, though, I don't know what to make of that yet. There's part of me that, that doesn't want to like it. You know, I've ridden in some Teslas, including on the track and off the track, driven some. I've driven some hybrid stuff, but that doesn't count. But that's the only EVs I've really done much with, and even that's pretty limited. But um, I, I think they're coming. I think that, that that's probably not something that's going to go away. I don't know if it'll happen as rapidly. I thought it was pretty bold that GM came out and said by 2035, I think they're going to only make electric vehicles. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see because there's a lot of work to do on charging infrastructure and, and all that kind of stuff. And 
I'm not sold on the practicality of it right now, at least not for my lifestyle, but you know, for some people it, it works, I'm sure, depending on their commutes and all of that. But, you know, the ones that have come to track events can't get through a full track day um, without needing to charge. And there's really no tracks that, that have any ample charging ability. We, we tried to charge a Tesla off a 8,000 watt portable generator and didn't get very far once, but <laughs> it, it's something that I think is going to happen, but I just don't know how quick. You can let your uh, your patrons know that Summit Point has charging stations for Teslas. Well, for EVs right there in the paddock. Yes, so. they do. That is true. Okay. And, uh, you know, going back to your comment about the Mach-E, notice again, I just call it the Mach-E. The reason they probably put the Mustang moniker on there was because the first guy went, why don't we call it the Pinto? And he was subsequently fired. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's not too many good choices. You know, the Galaxy would have been kind of cool, but the, the Fairlane, but honestly, when you look at it, you realize it's an escape with different sheet metal on it, right? I mean, I think everybody's gotten that yeah. by now. I'm surprised they didn't, I don't know, go the Lincoln route with that or something. I don't know. That, that would make more sense. I agree. It would have been a great replacement for yeah. the Mark Charlie personally or the Mark C. Yeah, or revive Mercury for that or something. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly, exactly. Mercury Cougar. Actually, you know, the best name would have been to use the European name and just call it the Puma because there's never been a Puma here in the U.S. So that would have, it kind of looks like a little cat anyway. So it would have worked. And the logo, the logo wouldn't have been too different. They could have just borrowed the old stock from Jaguar. Yeah, but then, yeah, what, exactly. Then they would have thought, what is this? Is this a high pace? It, it jags again? What's going on here? <laughs> but you mentioned that you've been in some Teslas on track. What was your impression of that? I mean, they seem to handle well. I mean, the, the torque's unlimited. Braking seemed really good. I mean, overall, it seemed like a, a strong performer. So let's switch to one of Brad's other favorite questions, which is, and this is, it can't be a Taurus or a Crown Vic. All right. We got to, we got to preface this one now. Sexiest car of all time. In your opinion. Of all time? I have to think about that one. I mean, I'll throw up some softballs. We've heard things in the past. Lamborghini Countach, Jaguar E-Types, uh, Ferrari Daytona, all sorts of cars, you know, and they all go back to a certain period of time in automotive history. So let, let's, hopefully that helps, uh, you know, well, I'm, percolate I'm, something to the surface. I'm heading in the Aston Martin direction. Mm. That's, that's like a, Ford's third cousin, right? I mean, it's like <laughs> Taurus twice removed. They did own Aston Martin for a while, but... I don't know Aston Martins well enough to say exactly even what model it is or anything else, but there's been some of those probably early mid two thousands. I think the Vantage, uh, mm -hmm. one of those, but that's that's where my head goes. Nice. That yeah, Aston Martin makes some really beautiful cars. The lines are just perfect. Oh yeah, the Lagonda and the Vantage that was based on the Mustang. Yeah, those are gorgeous cars. Excellent stuff there. <laughs> Hey, the Vantage was a very nice looking car, and the DB9 you can't you can't argue with that. The current the current ones, yes, but the that old ones. I remember it was a DB9. That's it. Yeah, the James the James Bond. So there's a flip side to this, Brad, right? Oh yeah. yeah. What is the ugliest car of all time? Oh, whatever the thing was that was the cousin to the Buick Rendezvous. What was that? The Aztec. Was that the Aztec? Yeah, I yeah those I just. I, I, don't know who, I don't know if people are buying those sight unseen or what happened. 
Breaking Bad happened. That's what that's what happened. <laughs> it's the only reason that car got popular. I just do not get it. I do not get it. Yeah. Okay. How about this? So you've been on track for a long time. Well, outside of the story you told uh, about following that guy's line, is that your biggest oops moment, or is there an even bigger one? Um, that's probably. Well, actually, I do have one that was probably a little worse. So I had a 2010 Mustang and uh, all my stories like that are on Gingerman. Well, and I think the reason for that is I will push myself harder on Gingerman than anywhere else just because there's so much runoff room and, and everything else. And it was the first track I'm on, so I'm the most comfortable with it. Anyway, I had a 2010 Mustang and there was something going on with the brakes at the time. I don't remember what, but it was one of those like I'm out in a hotel parking lot at midnight or one in the morning the day before the track day doing a brake job so I get to the track and I get through a handful of sessions things are going good I had the brakes bed in and everything's going great well suddenly I'm coming down the back street toward turn 11 and uh, my brake pedal goes to the floor so that's always a good feeling you know so I start pumping it and then I kind of like I think I got it slowed down enough that I could scrub the speed by just throwing it into it and then kind of limping back around um, and I did so, but then I heard all this metal scraping going on and I'm like, oh, well, this can't be good. So I just stopped and got off the track and had them pull me in and I get in there and I find out one of my rear brake calipers came loose and was oh. dragging inside the wheel. So I still have that wheel with the big gouge mark going all the way around the inside oh. of the wheel. So that's what I get for my late night brake job of apparently not tightening caliper bolts enough. <laughs> so I, I had two questions come out of this. One is what's your favorite generation of Mustang? Which one do you think is the best basically? And it doesn't have to be the most current one or the original one or whatever, but I'm curious to your opinion. My favorite gen Mustang, at least of the ones I've owned um, was probably the first retro ones. Um, I had uh, an 06 uh, GT, I think 05 was the first retro year. So I, I bought the Ford Performance Handling Package and, you know, all their stuff. It was basically a GT500 suspension. Um, and I, I drove my uh, friend's 2010 uh, GT500 on the track. And the handling felt very similar. Obviously, there's a huge power difference and uh, he had better brakes and stuff. But, you know, the, I just I really like the way that car drove. It, it handled really, really well. Um, I have not driven myself one of the gt 350s or 350rs i'd like to uh, a lot of our drivers we've had several of them come out and they they love them but i haven't driven one yet so that's something i need to to check out ecoboost v6 or v8 which is the best for every day <laughs> i've had them all i've driven the the four-cylinder ecoboost mustang i had that as a rental on laguna seca not the best power not bad but not you know earth shattering and uh, didn't drive badly, but it's just really hard to turn down a V8, you know? I just... No, no V6 love, huh? No V6 love. Oh, no, I can't. <laughs> but, the, you know, the, the old 5.0 and my 94 Mustang, that, that doesn't really get old. It's not the most powerful thing either, but, but it sounds good. It's got good torque to it. It works. And as Sam says... Best Mustang is Fox Body Mustang, so I guess we'll just end it on that. <laughs> well, the '94 is a year newer than the than the Fox. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Very first SN95. Yep. I'm gonna still throwing a shameless plug in there for Sam because it, that's every, every answer is Fox spotted Mustang. So we're just going to leave it right where it is. I've yeah. got one last question though. Since you're a Mustang guy and a Ford guy, since we're talking about the Fox body hatchback or notchback. Ooh, mm, I have to go hatchback. Oh my God. Cars are so ugly. Notchback <laughs> all the way. <laughs> Not a notch or nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. I'll take an SN95 with the Terminator package. Thank you very there much. There you go. <laughs> a coupe, though. None of those convertible nonsense. That was on my list for a while. I rode in one of those that was prepped for straight line stuff, and it was the, one of very few cars that I was like, wow, that was that was cool. That puts you back in the seat, and you're like, you could really feel it. It, it definitely went. So I did, I did get a chance once to ride with a guy around Autobahn in a 2000 Cobra R. So that was pretty cool. The NA50, the road yeah. cam and all that. That was, that was a rowdy car. Nice. Nice. Well, on that note, Jason, it's been fun. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Brake Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, gummy bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.